0: Okay, I want you to imagine this in completely hypothetical scenario. I know some of you are retired. I know some of you are in the careers that you most love. But just just indulge me for a moment. Imagine you had applied to a dream job here in the city of London, the financial district, you know, with one of the really big firms. Not just a big firm in the city of London, but a big firm in all of the world. And imagine you'd undertaken all the interviews that were required and, you, and you've been, you'd been successful and then one morning you get the call and it's an administrative assistant, to a senior partner, and she says, the senior partner would like to invite you in, you've been successful, you've, you've got the job. And he just uh, clarify a few things regarding when you'll start and what you will get as you begin your new career. So you put on your finest suit, you... You get all excited, you get giddy with anticipation, you you jump in the tube, you, you go to Canary Wharf, you arrive at the new skyscraper that you'll be working in, you're greeted at the desk with a, a lovely smile, the lady says, oh you're going to floor 25 on the elevator or lift, and so you... You walk with a spring in your step, feeling good about yourself. You pass people on the way. You see them in their suits and you think, they're not just going to be uh, my colleagues. Maybe some of them are going to be my friends. As you look at the elevator buttons, you see that there's restaurant, gym. There's all sorts in this place that you never knew about. And so you think, wow, this is an incredible place. And finally, you get to the 25th floor and you're taken and you're brought into this swanky office. And there's this senior partner with a huge smile on his face says i want to just say congratulations well done on being a successful candidate we're so privileged to work welcome you into the firm listen just take a seat i just want to go through a few things not least to tell you about the benefit package you get for coming to work for a firm like us you sit there and you're a bit taken aback already they're talking about the benefits of working with this firm and then all of a sudden he starts to say, like, like, listen, these are just some of the benefits you get for coming work in our firm, so uh, we, we love to make sure that all of our employees are taken the best care of, so we, we will give you private health care. You've, you've got access to the best mental health care. We're a firm that takes really serious people maintaining a, a healthy work-life balance downstairs. You'll see that there's a gym. You'll see actually there's a swimming pool. You've got access to it at a point. We've got creative workspaces. They're all open to you. Uh, never mind that. We, we give critical illness cover. If you're ever ill, we'll make sure you're paid and we'll take care of you in any way. We're going to write off all your student debts. And wait a minute, there's more. We're, we're going to, if you uh, have children, we're going to ensure they get the best education. We will give you something towards private education of your children. And if you do have any children and you need time for paternity leave, don't worry, we give 12 weeks here. Sound good? There's more. Um, we, we really encourage our, our, our employees to be really up in all the global development, so we, love to, we would love to send you uh, to the other side of the world, and we'd love you to have a, a, a global perspective on all things. And so when you do that, we, we encourage our employees to take a holiday as well. Um, We we make incredible contributions uh, to your pension fund. The pension package we offer here is the best in the city. Uh, You'll get a a company car. You'll get a top car, a top electric car, top of the range. Oh, and just so you know, as you begin, we want to give you a ridiculous bonus, just a, a golden handshake, just to say welcome. Welcome to the firm. Now, I know that's hypothetical, but just imagine it was true. It's just one benefit after another benefit. That you'd be secure for, for life. <laughs> Health insurance, life insurance, kids' education, holidays, rest days, different workplaces, counselors, car, days off incredible well here's why i mention it all because we're studying romans chapter 5 verses 11 and the apostle paul is laying out in these verses the blessings package that are bound up with our union with christ and as we've been working through this section we've been seeing that in christ we have got blessing upon blessing and we are secure for life secure for the rest of our lives if if that hypothetical scenario were true i honestly think you would be running at that place with a spring in your step feel you really made it you feel life was was great brothers and sisters there's a real way in which as we've studied this passage and as we're going to complete our study of this section of romans that we should leave here this evening feeling so secure so confident in our standing and our status as children of Almighty God. If you've not been here for our study, let me just tell you some of the things we've looked at. Um I, I do have a confession to make. I said at the very beginning of the study in Romans that we're going to work our way through Romans rather quickly. The two sermons and a chapter. Well, if you've not already noted, we've been in this one chapter for Four different Sundays, and we're not even out the first 11 verses. The problem with Romans is you just can't take it in big chunks when there's just so much amazing truth. The first, about four Sundays ago, we we looked at verses 1 and 2. And Paul there unpacked the reality, the past reality, that therefore, since we have been justified by faith, That is, we have been made right with God, declared righteous, all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And then he unpacked for us the present realities we experience as a result of our justification. We have peace with God. There's no more hostility. There's no more wrath. There's no more anger. Jesus paid it all. Not only that, but we have access to God and we now stand in the grace of God. We come into the Christian life because of grace, but we are also sustained through the Christian life every day by God's grace, and it will be the grace of God that will lead us all the way home. But not only that, we have this wonderful blessing of hope, a hope for the future, the hope of glory. There is coming a day when we will be glorified. We will see Christ become like Christ, reign with Christ. And we're not even out the first two verses. Three Sunday evenings ago, we came back, we looked at verses 3 through 5. And there, the Apostle Paul packed the, the other benefit, the other blessing, bound up with our justification. We who are united with Christ, we can rejoice in the midst of our suffering. And we can rejoice in the midst of our suffering because as part of God's divine design, suffering is not pointless. Suffering has a purpose. And the purpose of suffering is to make us more like Christ. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame rejoice in the midst of our suffering because we have all of these realities and then this morning we came together didn't we and we looked at verses six through eight and there paul unpacked the most incredible blessing the blessing of god's love for us god demonstrated his love for us when we deserved it the least Christ died for us when we were his enemies, when we were sinners, when we were weak, when we were ungodly. And then we thought about how God demonstrated his love for us at just the right time, when we needed it the most. And then finally we thought this morning, didn't we, of the, the magnitude of God's love and the proof of God's love. Christ died for us. But Paul's not done. Like, there's more. There's more. It's a bit like, you know, sitting in front of the senior partner and I'm just going through this huge list. There's more, there's more, there's more. We'll we'll look down at verse 9. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Paul wants us to do, what Paul's doing in these verses. In verses 9 and 10, Paul lays before us one of the most compelling arguments for why we can rejoice in God. And here's, here, here's what this argument's going to be if Christ or since Christ has died for us. We can rest with full confidence and full certainty that he will take us home to the new creation and we will not face his wrath and we will live for him forevermore. And Paul, at the end of this in verse 11, he doesn't want us just to simply nod our heads in agreement. He wants us to shout. He wants us to sing. Dare I say it, he wants us to dance. He wants us to rejoice. He wants us to celebrate. If you understand the blessings, the benefit package bound up with justification, you can't just sit there and be like, oh, that's great. This just Glorious. This is the most incredible package you've ever received in your union with Christ. You have blessing upon blessing. Now, as we dive into these verses, let me tell you that Paul employs an argument where he argues from the greater to the lesser. He says, in essence, first of all, since Christ has done the difficult part, then therefore we can be absolutely certain that he'll also do the easy part so so look at verse 9 since therefore we have now been justified by his blood now that, that's the difficult part how much more shall be saved by him from the wrath of god in one sense that's the the easy part again in verse 10 for for if while we were enemies We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's the hard part, the difficult part. How much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? That's the easy part, if I can put it like that. Now, what's interesting to note about this form of argument is that in the previous verses that we looked at this morning, Paul's employed the opposite form of logic. He argued from the lesser to the greater. So in verse 7, he says, Scarcely will one die for the righteous person though perhaps for a good person but god well we were still his enemies he christ jesus died for us so so you get you get the logic well let, let's now just unpack then what paul is saying in verses 9 and 10 and then we'll wrap it up by looking at response in verse 11 Okay, argument number one, verse nine. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. The verb form is nearly identical to verse one of chapter five. Having been justified by faith. Well, Paul wants us to, to all know as Christians, that if we're united with Christ, our justification, that is our right standing with God, it is a completed finished work god has declared those who put their faith and trust in the person and work of christ righteous that was difficult if i can put it like that that's the hard part because how is it possible for god to declare people righteous who in reality are not righteous you know, we 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 have been declared righteous, and yet here's the reality: you and I still sin, don't we? How can God be just and declare us righteous when we are ungodly? And for God to remain just, well, we 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 looked at this when we looked at Romans chapter three, verses twenty-one through twenty-seven. God gave his son to live the life we could not live, the perfect life on our behalf. To die the death we ought to have died, the wrath-absorbing death on the cross, where he took the penalty and the punishment for our sin. He satisfied God's divine justice so that the just God could justify the ungodly. That's the difficult part. And, and look at the great cost of our salvation. We were justified by the shed blood of Jesus. When we trusted in Christ and his shed blood to save us, God declared us not guilty. Penalty paid. Now, what's what's the easy part that flows from this? Well, look, much more shall we be saved by him, by Jesus, from the wrath of God. Now here's his argument. If God loved us and justified us when we were ungodly, helpless, sinful enemies, how much more will he keep us now that we are his reconciled sons, our justified sons and daughters? If God's gone to the length of sending his one and only son to die in our place for our sins, shedding his blood, how much more do you think God shall, shall save us by him from the wrath of God? That's the easy part. You know why that's the easy part? It's because Christ took in his body all of our wrath. There is coming a, a day where Christ will execute wrath in all of those who have not believed. But for those who have believed, because of his past work, Christ, Christ will save those Who are his? There was a survey done in London and it asked people in London, what are the greatest fears? Two things came out, top. What do you think they were? Fear of failure. And then fear of rejection. Here's the glorious truth because of what Jesus Christ has done in living the life we could not live and dying the death, we ought to have died. We need not fear that on the last day we will be punished, we will experience his wrath. Because Christ has done it all. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus jesus took it all there is not one ounce of wrath that can be poured out on someone who is united with christ by faith and so because christ has done the the difficult part because we know with confidence he will do the easy part brothers and sisters that means that we can live with confidence as we face the future Let's be honest, we might fail in our work. We might fail as people, as individuals. Fail in many different ways, as husbands, as wives, as parents. Fail in many different ways, as church members, as church elders, as ministers of the gospel. But here's the glorious confidence, the security we have. At the last, we won't face God's judgment. Because Christ has been victorious. You know, many of us, we live with that great fear of failure and combined with it is that great fear of rejection. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, nonetheless, we'll not be rejected. We'll be accepted, welcomed, loved. Okay, look at verse 10, His second argument. It's a similar argument, but it's slightly different. So justification is a legal term, whereas reconciliation that's spoken about here in in verse 10 is a relational term. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Um, We were thinking about this reality this morning that the objects of God's love are those who are his enemies. An incredible thing about what Christ's death has accomplished for us is that it reconciles us to God. It restores our relationship with God. You know, in pastoral ministry, one of the hardest things to to deal with is situations that require reconciliation. There's nothing more difficult than when a A relationship of one form or another a friendship a marriage is broken down to such an extent that it requires care and attention reconciliation is so difficult we we, we see that at, at, at a small scale but we can also see in a much larger scale Ukraine and Russia that war the hostility that could live on for generations Ukrainian kids growing up with anger and bitterness towards their Russian neighbors. Likewise, Russian neighbors, even if the war ends, still with a real resentment and hatred of their Ukrainian neighbors. Now, The incredible thing about what Jesus Christ does is that he reconciled us who were enemies of God to God. And remember what I said this morning, it's not just that we were enemies of God, but God did not view us as an ally. We were those who he could not be an ally with because of our sin and our ungodliness. And so the amazing reality, the astounding reality, the difficult part that Christ has accomplished is that while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, Christ Jesus, through his death, reconciled us to god that's the hard part now look at the easy part as it were how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life so, so in, in verse 9 it was how much more shall we be saved by him really thinking about his death from the wrath now he says by his life and And I take that to mean christ's post crucifixion life, his resurrection life um if you get your Bible there, just turn over for a moment to in fact, I don't think you need to turn over look over to verse six no hold on, look over to verse eight of chapter six. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And if you get got a Bible, just take a moment, turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Some of us in the men's group were memorising these verses. And read verse one to three, from page nine eight four. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are, are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory one of the realities we're going to come and study in Paul's letter to the Romans is that in our union with Christ we're united to him in his death and we're united to him in his resurrection life and because of Christ's life the life he lived was for us and the life he now lives as the ascended seated king of the universe is for us so, so take your by one more time and just turn over to Romans 8 with me. And if you look down at verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Now, what I want you to get is that the life that Christ now lives as our risen, seated, glorious King, he ever lives on our behalf to pray for us. He's our advocate. He defends our case. He pleads our case before the Father. And so, brothers and sisters, just so you know what that means. That means because we're relationally reconciled, made right with God, we're so secure with Him that Christ will keep us to the end. First John chapter two. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours. But also for the whole world. Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty five. Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here's what Paul's trying to drive home to us. Listen, this is this is the glorious blessing of being united to Christ, bound up with your justification. You're secure. You won't face wrath. That is, you won't face rejection. You won't face failure. At the last. No, 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 no. At the last you'll be victorious. And you'll be victorious because Christ in his resurrection life lives for you and me. I, I, I don't know how to put this in words, but You and I are so secure in our salvation. It is unbelievable. We we have so much reason for confidence. And that's why in Romans chapter 8, Paul can go on to say, Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Through Him who loved us. Listen to, listen to His confidence. For I am sure, other translations, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So let's land the plane. Verse 11. More than that in light of all these blessings bound up with our justification paul has to say we also rejoice we also boast we also glory in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received reconciliation like We're not supposed to sit here tonight and just calmly agree. Yeah, Paul, I get your argument. Makes sense to me. No, no, no. Paul wasn't writing this to just drive home a sort of cerebral response. He was making this case so that you and I might get every reason to rejoice. To rejoice in this. To rejoice means to be exceedingly joyful. Can I I just go off a sidetrack, right? I know... That Presbyterians who are reformed often get caricatured as the frozen chosen. Right? As a stoke group of people, you know, we we sit. You want to see joy? It's deep down in my heart. It doesn't make sense. Because we get the truths that are being presented here. How can we just sit? This is glorious. We we heard this morning we are so loved by God that it is made manifest, demonstrated, proven, shown in the cross. And then add to that, tonight we come back and we say, and and Paul says to us, and you guys, you're all safe and secure if you're in Christ. You've got confidence for your future. You know where you're going. You know that you've got an advocate. He pleads your case and he's never lost the case. You're safe and you're secure. You're blessed with blessing upon blessing. So what's your response? What's my response? I think it's time to get the hallelujah chorus out and it's time to start singing. Brothers and sisters, we were once his enemies. And he made us his friends. He adopted us as his children. He loves us with the same love that he loves his son, that he loves himself, and he wants you and me to enjoy life and salvation in him. I sometimes think the reason, one of the, one of the reasons, at least, we're not so overcome with this glorious truth of the gospel. Is we are so quick to forget just how unworthy we are, how undeserving we are of this glorious gift. You'll sit indifferently. You'll think this is no big deal. If you think, you, if you've come to kind of believe about yourself, you deserve it. And in our culture, that's the air we breathe. And let me tell you this. None of this did we deserve. Do you know what we deserve? God's wrath for all eternity. But do you know what we get? The most glorious, the most glorious benefits package bound up with putting our faith and trust in Christ. I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to go and dance. This is this is glorious. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight we rejoice. We rejoice in you, we rejoice in him, we rejoice in your Spirit. We are undeserving, unworthy objects of your love. We want to come tonight and say thank you. Thank you for doing for us what we could never have done for ourselves. Thank you that in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you demonstrated your love. You forgave our sin. You satisfied your justice. You imputed to us righteousness. I thank you that at the cross you put your love on full display. thank you that we can tonight be sure, we can be convinced that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus because it's all been done. And even now as we know at your right hand Christ prays for us, he pleads for us, we thank you that we can rest tonight in the sure and certain confidence that you'll take us all safely to the new creation. God, we pray that the joy of your salvation would be our strength as we enter this week. Oh God, as we go from here, would we go from here wanting to obey you, wanting to love you, wanting to make you known among the nations. Holy God, we could say with the Apostle Paul, we are not ashamed of the gospel, for we know it is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. O God, set us ablaze, set us on fire. May we go from here buzzing, buzzing with the truth of the gospel, ringing in our hearts and our souls and our minds. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.